Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast. Always excited to be here with my good friend Scott Jenkins, Creative Director of Celtic Way. My name is Matt Kinzera. We have made it to winter. It's official. For a second there, I thought winter was going to pass us by this year, Scott. But the seasons, they always come, which I suppose is... uh, is is just is what it is right it is what it is yeah so what's the plan for today we are gonna talk in big picture stuff and then the way god comes to us in terms of um what it means to be a celtic person how do we experience god what highways and byways are open to our hearts from god and to god that uh, really enlivens us and renews us and encourages us and sometimes just really challenges us to dig deeper. So, so this this should be good. This should be good. I think it's it's always a tricky conversation to have when we're talking about how God comes to us or how God speaks to us or all of those types of things because we're you know it's not like you and I talking. We have to we have to maybe look a little deeper. I guess is a, a fair way to say it. And be a little more open. There you go. Yeah. So I want to begin with really the most natural and yet perhaps the most uncommon. And that's one of the ways that God has come to us in profound ways, but not very often. It has to do with dreams. All of this started recently, maybe eight, ten days ago. We were having a conversation in one of our classes about dreams that have impacted people. And um, and to my surprise, of a class of about 12 or 13 people, how many people have had dreams that have marked the chapters of their life with big, bold letters or underlines and, and has really, in, in some ways, shaped transitions and moved them physically uh, around the planet and... Um, or perhaps gave them a direction in terms of their vocation they really never thought about before. I can remember, it's got to be going on 30 years ago. I think I've shared this with you before. Chris had a dream that we were moving to Colorado. We were living in sunny, southern, southern, I'm telling you, California, very close to the ocean. And... Um, the ocean was a, a playground, a haven for me, and I loved it so much there. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, my wife woke me up and said, I had a dream. And I'm like, oh, I'm tired. Okay, you had a dream. We're, we're going to move to Colorado. Oh, I woke up right away. I was defensive, you know, just didn't want to play my cards, but definitely didn't want to do that. We had been out to Colorado um, to do some work at a church out here, maybe for over a week. And then we came back to California and we had talked about this or that for quite a while. 
I really didn't want to leave. And besides our family, though some of them were moving away from California, and we still had family and long time friends, over 20 years, good friendships there. But Chris, I said, did you just have a dream or did you have like one of those dreams where you knew that God was speaking to you, hoping to couch it in such a way she'd say, oh, no, no, that wasn't me. But no, that was her. Yeah. No, this was a direction. This is what God was telling us to do. And I responded like any good saintly husband would do. I was angry and I got out of bed and threw stuff in the back of the truck and headed to the beach. You know, I just didn't want to be around the house because um, I was pretty angry and didn't want, I, you know, they always say, don't kill the messenger. Okay, well, if it's your wife, you can't do that anyway. And so you might as well just throw things. At you the might as well just do it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a month later, we're, we were heading east and coming over the mountains. The mountains were beautiful. But there weren't the ocean, you know. And we just ran into one big obstacle after another when we moved here to the point where I was getting ready. I said to Chris, we need to pack everything up and move back. Oh, she said, so we had a dream and we both decided, maybe more, some more reluctantly than others, that this was God's direction for our life. And now that we're here and things are difficult, you think we should just pack up and go back home? Yeah, right. You got it. You know, well, that's not how it went and that's not how it works. And when you follow, you follow and, you know, everything worked out. I mean, in ways I could have never anticipated much better than I would have ever dreamed of. Right? But it was a directional dream. And there haven't been a lot, but there's there's been some. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night. This is my only dream that just really, really shocked me when my grandmother came to me in a dream and said, I need you to come back and see me right away. So we did. We went back and we spent a week with my grandma and came back to California then. And the very next morning, my mom called to tell me my grandma had passed and that, hmm. you know, that she died and she died and she was like 98 and a half. And it was sad, but I'm really glad I listened to that dream. I would have missed that last opportunity to see my grandma in Iowa. Um, so I was grateful for that. I haven't had a lot of dreams. I have these dreams sometimes that take place deep in the middle of the night, you know, and I sleep all the way through the till the next morning and I wake up and I'm like, wow, that was weird. What was that all about? I might write them down, you know. I had a dream a few days ago that happened in the twilight part of the morning, you know. It's like right before sunrise. Uh, I, I wake up so early sometimes now I can look out the morning and say, oh, yeah. It's two o'clock, it's three o'clock, it's four o'clock, you know. So this was around probably four o'clock in the morning. And Matt, you were in the dream. In fact, oh. yeah, you were the editor of my dream, just like you are of the podcast. <laughs> and we had been talking, not sure what about. And then all of a sudden, I said to you, I don't like working alone. I'm a very collegial person. And I just feel like very much alone at times in Celtic way. And you said, yeah, I know that about you, but, you know, I have an idea what you can do for the podcast. And I said, okay, what is it? And you said, 
I think you should ask your spiritual director, Kenneth Barron, to join you in the podcast. And right away, I, I was like, that is a great idea. I think I'm going to do that. And then I woke up. And I was like sitting up in bed going, wow, what am I going to do? Well, I had an appointment on Zoom with Kenna and time for spiritual direction. So I said, Kenna, get ready. This is going to be a little out there for you, you know. And she's like, oh, no, lay it on me. What is it? And I was telling her, Matt and I had a conversation in my dream. And she's like, <laughs> okay, here we go. And um, and I was telling her about this whole thing. And she smiled and she was laughing. Then we were both were quiet for a second. She said, okay, are you going to ask me? And I said, yeah, would you like to be part of a monthly podcast with me? She goes, I would love to do that. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is really good. I'm just so, thankful that I had, you know, where I lack in wisdom in real life. I'm just glad that it comes <laughs> out in your dreams. <laughs> I just thought it was so good, you know. Uh, and then, um, so Kenna, the last thing we did, I mean, we talked about how is this going to work. And I said to her, I'm very interested in doing the themes, the season of the year. And each theme will have three opportunities to unwrap one of the themes of the season. And... Um, and you see, I can do the history, the theology, the symbolism of this whole Celtic thing. And it's such a whiz at understanding the depths of people and the aging process and what each season brings. Not only that, she's a hoot. You're going to really like her. You two are going to hit it off really well. <laughs> and our listeners are going to fall in love with her and what she brings to this whole thing. And when I got off, uh, when we were talking, when I got off the phone, I, I said, um, I'm sorry, I got to need to back this up. And towards the end of our conversation, I said, you know, because you're so busy, Ken, and my schedule's like this, maybe we should pick out some dates and times and then cross our fingers. I'll have to get a hold of Matt and see if these work. So I sent you the dates from February through May. And you came back and said, oh, the dates and times all work. And I was like, okay, <laughs> now I know. This was meant to be, you know. And I got to tell you, and we've been through a little bit in the last few months with Chris's, excuse me, with Chris's health and, and all kinds of things, you know. And I was a little bit down in the doldrums. and um, But this dream and the responses and everything, I was like, okay, I'm sorry, Lord. I shouldn't doubt that you're not around if you're not paying attention you don't give a hoot about it you know and um yeah and then after that chris and i were talking over breakfast about boy it's just really how many different ways has god come to us and i've been reading a lot about the mystics lately and we have this celtic class on thursday evenings and there again, we're talking about how how is this relationship sustained? And where do we find God coming to us and all the different things? And of course, people had a whole list of experiences around how God spoke to them through their friends or unexpectedly through their neighbors or in their classes or uh, in the churches that they go to. And it's just like... Somebody said in class, you know, if we just had the eyes of our hearts open, 
If our awareness could just be sensitized somewhat as we go through the normal rhythms of our day. But like, we don't need any great ecstatic experiences, you know, and everything. But all these subtle things that happen within or happen in the course of what is so, what seems so inconsequential can really be bridges to us and give us direction in our lives. And I just thought, it's so true. The reason we want to study the seasons and figure out how the rhythms of each of the quarter seasons is a message to us. If we can just align ourselves a little bit and take those themes seriously and match them up as as those of us who go to liturgical churches do, they fit so well into the rhythms of the liturgical calendar of the church, which is the rhythm of the life of Jesus, oh, things are so enriched and so broadened and so deepened. It's just, it's exciting to me. And um, it's, it's, you know, the doors have really opened for us lately to go to different churches who happen to follow the church calendar, some loosely, you know, some very much uh, on target. And we tie in the the role of the seasons of nature with the church year, but with the life of Jesus. Oh, it just it just happened so well. We had this class where we did a visio divina. We sent people out into nature, and they all knew how to use their phone and take pictures. Of course, even though we're older people, we still know how to do that. <laughs> Now, sending these pictures to us so that we can put them up and, and put them online where people can see them. And everybody wrote at least a paragraph, if not a half a page reflection. And so beautiful. I mean, you know what the scenery is like in Colorado. So obviously, there were great pictures of the mountains and how people sat with them. I listened to these messages that were deeply personal. These photographs became a word of personal address to each person who was behind the camera, who bothered to be aware of how their life intersected with the message they were given by, by meditating on what was going on in nature. So much so that there's a guy who is very much in his head at work. He is a big picture analytical guy that processes a huge amount of information for the government. Very important job he has that he's been at for over 20 years. And he is in his mid-50s, I would say maybe late 50s. And he's walking out into... Uh, sort of the, the flatlands that are just now beginning to move up to the highlands. And you can see the mountains off in the distance, but there's a growing number of trees. And then there's this big hawk that's just circling around him in the clear blue sky. And he snaps this picture. Well, his hobby has to do with birds and studying birds. And what he finds is how hawks see and how far they can see directly, like in front of them, can see for miles. And things are clear. And I'm looking at you through my glasses, and I'm just envious. I'm like, I wish I could do that. But they can also see, 
you know, 180 degrees from side to side, almost at the same time. It's fascinating. You can get the big, you can get the big picture from a hawk's view, and then you can dial it in crystal clear. And as he was walking, he couldn't wait to get home and write because he knew that was exactly the process he needed to really examine the next big change in his life. He got the big picture of his career, where he's working, how he got there and everything, what it meant to him, what really fed his soul, and what was beginning to dry up. And he went from the big field of vision all the way down to crystal clear, where he could see precisely what was going on both within him and the opportunities that lied on the horizon. And he came to class and he said, you know, I thought this Visio Divina was a bunch of malarkey. And I was a skeptic. I'm walking and walking and I'm thinking, why am I listening to this Catholic priest I've never met before? But the journaling that he did was over three pages long, but what he gave us was a half a page. And it's now changed the very direction of his life. And his wife was very nervous about what was going on. And she came to class the next week. And during the break, she said, I got to tell you, I've been looking forward to meeting you. And I didn't know if I wanted to give you a hug or a piece of my mind, but here we are. And every once in a while now, I get an email from them. It's a new, new direction for them, completely different than what they've ever been doing. And she said to me, it's a long time since my husband's been this happy. It's a long time that we've been this happy together. God works in mysterious ways, Father Scott. And here we are. We're taking our walks three or four times a week. And we're talking and we're watching and we're receiving. We're receiving messages from God in nature. You know, then I just wanted to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm ready to retire now. That's all I want. Just all I ever wanted is for somebody to broaden their horizon about ways to receive the presence of God in their lives and make it real. And these are the big, these are to me, these are big stories. And not everything happens like that. You know, so profound. Even my little dream around the podcast, you know, it's just exciting for me. And like that couple, we've had a dream that shifted our life quite a bit. Early on in this podcast, you just mentioned the word openness. And I think that is... You know, it, it'd be easy to be closed off to a dream or think it's ridiculous or even be closed off to a message you might receive from nature. But yeah. I I would agree, you know, as you've been saying, you know, if you think about the, the profound spiritual moments that you have in a lifetime, you know, the ones that really change your thinking or cause you to move from California to Colorado, they're mm -hmm. few and far between. They which are. Is, I mean, not that not that we're not learning small things every day, but some of those big profound situations just require living a life of openness. So when they happen, we actually notice that they happen, you know, because it'd be easy for him to have missed that hawk. It would have been easy for you to have dismissed the dream. And but just that idea of living a life open. So 
that when God, I mean, that to me, it, it seems like a time when God's coming close, not that God is closer or farther away that at any right. time, but it feels that way. And it I know, does. you know, yeah. we've had scenarios in our life too, where, you know, we still talk about, you know, these handful of things that have happened over our lives that we just had to be open to and by being open to them, just like you caused us to move and caused us to do pretty, what a lot of people thought were crazy things. But when we, when Susie and I look back at our life, there are things that define the spirituality and kind of the direction of our life. And some of them came in dreams. Some of them came from random people saying things. Some of them came from things in nature. And I'm just thankful that I have a spouse and I have friends like you and others that, you know, that are okay with the openness that's required <laughs> to experience that. Yeah. Know? So in class, <clears throat> we just spent going through the, this, we're going through this book and the, the section is on contemplation and um and and meditation and so on. And so we get down last week we talked about just the assignment is to do contemplation, that is to sit, sit in silence and just to rest and try to clear your mind of everything. And we went through the whole process in depth and um it's just so interesting. We have some people who have never done this before, you know. And we have this bishop, and he's a bishop in a Pentecostal church. And when he first came to class, I thought, oh, that's going to be interesting, you know. Well, it's way more interesting, and I'm going to have him on sometime. You love this guy. He is just so sincere and so energized, and he is profoundly uh, immersed in his, in his tradition, you know. And every once in a while, he'll share some comments, and that's so different than what I'm used to, you know. But here is this guy who is a bishop in a Pentecostal church, and he talks about, well, I'm sitting, you know, I'm doing it for 10 minutes. And and then he, he's like, and sometimes I don't know if I'm getting anything. I'm not getting through to God or God's not getting through to me. And I don't know what I feel like I'm not doing it right, you know. And for people who are first experiencing contemplative prayer and they're consistent with it, they it's you know, I think you can find some of the same issues in being a novice or people who've been doing it for years. Sometimes you don't feel like you're getting anything, you know. Sometimes I set a timer. I'm like, okay, come on. When is 10 or 20 minutes going to be up, you know? And sometimes my head is just filled. Like one of the women said, yeah, I'm just doing this so well. It's going along so well. And all of a sudden I'm thinking about Oreos. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. But the point is, I think that, and I believe with my life that this is true, that 10 to 15 to 20 minutes a day is not always an ecstatic experience. It's not always this profound encounter with a deep mystery that is God. Sometimes you just do it. But what I believe with all my heart is that the awareness that we seek in daily life in walking outside and going to the grocery store, going to the gym, whatever, that awareness that we long for is nurtured by the silence that we keep. And then all of a sudden, the contemplative spirit isn't just in the 15 to 20 minutes sitting on my meditation pillow. Somehow it stays with me, it grows and expands, and is sensitized, sensitized me 
not to go through life so quickly, so in such a harried pace where I miss so many things, you know? When I first went to the Celtic retreat up in, um, Lind in Lindisfarne, up in Northumbria, north eastern England, we had a chance to go to Holy Island, which I didn't get to talk to you about. And on your way out there, so a mile, two miles to walk out there. It's an island when the tide is in, but when the tide goes out, you can walk over there. And there are these enormous poles along the way. To And it's literally, they are there to mark the way. And they're called way marks. Makes sense. So you're walking along and you say, oh, here's another pole, another pole. How many poles left? Oh, maybe two or three more. And you, but it keeps you on the path because if not, you go way off the path and you can sink into your waist in a hurry. And um, hence the phrase, don't ever journey alone. Because <laughs> without yeah. a friend and a walking stick to pull you out, you're not going anywhere. And um and then you get over to the other side and you have to clean yourself off for a little bit. And then you get some food and people began to talk about these poles. And then, of course, the teacher leads us into this reflection about where are the way marks in your life? What are the, the, the ways that God comes to you to mark your path and keep you on course? And I'm just so happy to say that as our awareness grows, we can see more and more waymarks than I ever had any idea were available to us. Hmm. So the message for this podcast is part of the winter message. Winter is a time where, like you and I were talking, you got a, you got a foot of snow, you got six inches, and you got another foot coming. Yeah, it's it's snowing as we speak. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and we have incredibly cold. We've had a little snow. We're going to get some more every day. We're not getting 12 inches. They are up in the mountains. If you can ever escape from Wisconsin and you want to go to the mountains, now's the time to come. But, but it's just time to slow down and to reflect. Such a cross-cultural thing, you know. It's like our culture is not into slowing down. I'm not even sure. As a culture, we like to take the time to reflect deeply on what's going on. We'd all be better off if we did. And winter is the season that is calling, nudging us to do just that. Having the awareness is part of the thing. Taking time to reflect with somebody you love and somebody you trust and somebody you can process with. What a rich time of year. 18 inches of snow, my friend, or not. Slowing down and listening. It's a rich thing in life. I have a reading I'd like to close with. It's called Our Secret Entry. I've been reading Meister Eckhart now for about a year, and I keep thinking I'm done, and I never am. So here it goes. What is our secret entry into your heart and your meaning God? What is our secret entry into your heart, O oh God? We find it on the path of letting go of what we thought we knew. 
arriving at the place where we know nothing of knowing beyond every notion of love. And from light, enter the dark, only to find ourselves there, ever one with you. For more information on Celtic Way, go to CelticWay.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado or on Instagram at Celtic Way Official. Special thanks to Suzanne Kinzera for the music for this podcast. Seasons come and go, darling, don't you know? Love will outflow from the overflow. And Please don't rush the prize.